Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 13th of June 2010, entitled The Completion of Our Faith, and the Bible reading is taken from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. 2 Kings chapter 4, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 7. I invite you to stand with me. Honor the reading of God's holy word. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. Thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? She said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. When thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. It came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. He said unto her, There is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the privilege of being in your house today. Father, we know that as we gather here that within ourselves nothing can be accomplished. Lord, many are weak in the flesh, and Lord, even when we are at our greatest strength, Lord, we cannot begin to approach that which is needed, Lord, for you to speak to the hearts of men rather than just the minds. Lord, I pray that whatever barriers would be there today, whatever thoughts would be taking minds in other directions, that you would break those things down, that you would be honored by the importance that your word has in our heart, And, Father, that you would honor us today by anointing thy servant to speak to our hearts. You do know the need of each and every heart. And, Father, we pray that you would speak in such a way, Lord, that you would receive all the glory and all the honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Our thought today as we look into God's Word, I kind of struggled. I changed the title back and forth a few times, but... I settle on this simple thought, which I think best describes what I want to focus our minds and hearts on. And ironically, this passage of Scripture, I know that we'll go back to our series, God willing, next week. This passage of Scripture here has actually been on my heart for a few weeks now, even before our missions conference. But I genuinely felt with all that God has spoken to us, through those that he has sent our way, that this is where he would have us to go and direct our attention this morning, the completion of your faith, the completion of your faith. And I hope that we will understand that as we 
uh, look through this passage because we find that, of course, we talk about faith in so many different ways. Many times, I guess, it's some of those missionaries of bygone years that many times we hang on to their words and the things that they spoke because of the lives that they lived by faith. It was George Mueller, German missionary that had the orphanages down in Bristol. He said these simple words. He says, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. And, of course, we can read many of the illustrations of George Mueller's life and just how that he put that faith into practice. It was another great missionary by the name of Hudson Taylor. And, of course, Hudson Taylor with the China Inland Mission, when he went there, Hudson Taylor wrote back home in a note to his wife. It was during an especially difficult time on the field when things didn't seem to be going well, and many times the finances seemed scarce. But Hudson Taylor wrote this simple thought. He says, we have 25 cents, but all the promises of God. Don't have much in the natural. We've got all the promises of God to stand upon. You know, faith is not just for missionaries that go off to foreign fields and have difficult times there. And faith does begin where we ourselves are not able to go in our own strength. This man was just a businessman, not a missionary. His name was Charles Kettering. And one time he was head of the research department for General Motors, the big motor conglomerate. And he said this, he said that when he wanted a problem solved, and he used to call for all of those greatest minds within the company to come together to try to find a, an answer for the problem, he would always place a sign just outside the meeting room where they were meeting. And some of you probably in today's age won't know what one of these is, but it said, leave slide rules here. And of course, now with everybody walking around with little computers in their pocket, many people don't know what a slide rule is. That used to be where you found all your answers when you, you found it on there rather than plugging it into to computers. And he said this, he said, if I didn't do that, I'd find someone reaching for his slide rule and he'd be jumping up to his feet and saying, boss, you can't do that. <laughs> it's not possible. But he said, the truth is, of course, Many times, what is impossible with man is possible with God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we have looked there Sunday before last in this matter of faith promise giving. And of course, I would say to you this morning, there are a few that have asked me questions concerning their faith promise. And yes, we've been encouraging you to fill out a faith promise slip and to place it in the offering bag, and I want to continue to encourage you to do so. But what I want to do by the help of God today is that if you have already made that commitment to God, then I want to encourage you today how you can have the confidence to know 
that God will accomplish what he's promised that he'll do. But if you haven't filled one out yet, and I've said before, I don't care how young or how old or whatever, then I want to encourage you and challenge you to do so because I promise you this this morning. There is nothing in your life that is so important. There is absolutely nothing that you need in this life that's more important than men's eternities, their souls for all of eternity. There is no greater investment that can be made than the investment into people's lives. And I am not the least bit sorry to stand here as your pastor and say you need to be involved in missions. You need to be investing in the lives of those that have never heard the gospel around the world. There is nothing in this life that you can invest what God has blessed you with that will bring you more reward than investing in the souls of men. And I want to encourage you because you see, be willing to make a commitment. There's nowhere on there to put your name. We don't want your name. But I want you to make a commitment. I want you to write that commitment down between you and God alone. And I want you to give God the opportunity to do things through your life that you cannot do, that only he can receive the glory for. That's not that you can be hurt, that you can suffer. That's that you can be stronger, that you can be blessed more than you could ever possibly bless yourself. As we look back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I'd like to reread just a couple of the verses that we read there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I'd like to read just the first six verses, which says, Moreover, brethren... We do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would notice also finish in you the same grace also. How can you and I, how can we have the confidence that God will finish in us the same grace also? I'm not going to go back. We will be looking at another portion of Scripture, God willing, this morning. But I want you to remember these people were not giving because they had. They were not giving what they were able to give. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He's using the church of Macedonia as an example. And he said, no, yes, I, I bear record. They did everything that they could. But they did more than that. They did that which was beyond themselves. We find that Titus was there a year before when they had, had made their promises to help the poor, the suffering back in Jerusalem. 
Now he's writing to the church at Corinth and he's saying, look what God did in Macedonia. Now, that he would also finish in you the same grace also that God would do through you just like he did at Macedonia. I'm saying how can we have that confidence to know that God will perform that same grace through us that he did at Macedonia, that he was promising to do it at Corinth here in this passage. You see, faith promise. It is by faith that we make those promises to God. By faith, those promises are made. But I say to you this morning, it's just as surely by faith that those promises can and will be fulfilled. The completion of our faith, not just great desires, not just deep-felt emotions, not just sincere and genuine promises that never come to fruition, but the completion of our faith. How can we have confidence that God will do through you as an individual and through us as a church what he did in Macedonia and was doing in Corinth? We find that we also looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 I'd like to read just a few of those verses again, beginning in verse 12. He said, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure or beyond our measure, but according to the measures of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure as though we reach not unto you, for we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. Listen, not boasting of things without our measure. That is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. In other words, as Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, he's saying, let's not be caught in the trap of comparing ourselves among ourselves and commending ourselves telling ourselves what a grand and good job that we're doing. What we have done. There are many that's doing that, he says. But let's not be caught in the trap of what they're doing. He says, very, very tempting sometimes. When others are boasting about what they're doing and what they've done, we just want to come back and boast about, well, look what we've done. 
Bible says that's unwise. Don't get caught in that trap. He said, let's not be guilty of boasting of things that are beyond our measure, as if they were our own doing, as if it was something that we were responsible for, but rather boast in the things of God, the things that he has done through us. We don't need the pat on the back. We don't need to be boasting of ourselves. We don't need for everybody else to know what we've done. We need everybody to know what God's done. In these verses, Paul is in fact having to defend himself amongst these people. He's having to defend his position as an apostle. He's having to defend his position to be able to write to them and to draw their attention to these things. He's having to defend the work that God has called him to do. Why? A result of false prophets, false teachings, false emotions on the people's parts, believing things they ought not to have been listening to. In fact, he's done exactly what God had appointed him to do. And he's done it by God's grace, never claiming, never claiming to be perfect. Matter of fact, only claiming to be the very least of the least. But he said, I don't want you to see what I'm doing. By God's grace, I want you to see what God is doing. I'm just trying to do what God has appointed me to do. I'm not trying to take credit for anybody else's work. We don't need to be comparing ourselves about what we're doing with what others are doing. Paul was confident that as a direct result, a direct result, of the increased faith of this church. He was confident that his ministry and the ministry of those that were working with him, that it was going to be enlarged, that it was going to be expanded. He said to preach the gospel in the regions that are beyond you. Their increased faith, it was not only going to directly affect their own lives and their own church, but it was going to have far-reaching consequences. It was going to be responsible for others having greater opportunity, their ministries being enlarged in order to carry the gospel to others that were away from them, that were beyond them, that were outside of their region. Missions. Paul didn't boast in himself, and he was actually appalled by those that did. He took no sympathy upon them that wanted their own pat on their back, that wanted you to see what they were doing. He only wanted you to see what God was doing. All glory, he says, all glory. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've expended of yourself. I don't care. In fact, it's only by God's glory that anything worthy is accomplished. If there is any credit to be given, if there is any boasting to take place, it's God that deserves it all. You find that he didn't want any self-recognition. He didn't want any self-praise. But he sure did want to praise his God. <laughs> you see, it's not the recognition nor the approval of others that matters. I promise you this from the sincerity of my heart. 
If that were the case, I would have been personally out of the ministry a long time ago. <laughs> you can't satisfy people. And no matter what you do, you try to find God, no matter how you do it, <laughs> you're going to get a slap in the face. You're going to get told how bad it is, how you should have done it different, how you should be doing it different. Time and time again. That's what the apostle Paul was. But these, these people didn't want to hear what he had to say. <laughs> But he said, I'm just trying to do what God wants. Listen, don't worry about what men are thinking of you. It's completely meaningless in the end. The only approval, the only commendation that really matters, that's really going to get you through is that of the Lord. And if the Lord approves of it, and if the Lord is the one that commends you, then it doesn't matter if anybody else does or not. If you're doing what he wants, I'm saying to you today, in this matter of missions, don't be concerned about what others are doing. Don't feel like you've got to match somebody else. Paul is trying to get the message through to this church here. It's what God can do. How can we have the confidence? How can we see God do that which we can't take any credit for? You see, it's in light of this that I would ask you this morning, how can we serve God better? How can we serve the Lord and carry out the work that he's appointed us to do? People are going to criticize you. People are going to break your heart. How can you, knowing God's will for your life, how can you do that? How can we as a church accomplish that which he's left for us to do in a way that doesn't point to me or you or any of our accomplishments, but rather can only be accredited to God, to His doing, to bring glory to Him alone. One way, one way that we do that is through this matter of faith promise giving to missions. No, many churches don't do that. And you don't have to do that to be a church. It's one way that we can seek to see God accomplish through us what he wants to accomplish that only he can receive the glory for, though. I've already said, if you've made a faith promise commitment for the work of missions, and that's what we do faith promise for, is for the work of missions. And if you've done that for the coming year, and I want to encourage you, to have the confidence that if you've done this in the way that we have so carefully encouraged you to do, through prayer, through seeking the Lord's direction, what does God want you to do? doesn't matter what somebody else is doing. doesn't matter how it compares to anybody else. Find out what God wants to do through you, through faith. I say to you this morning, you can trust him to finish in you the same grace that he did in the church at Macedonia, the same work that he's doing here at the church in Corinth. Titus was there at Corinth to see the completion of what they had promised by faith a year before to do. The promises we make now through the Lord's leadership for the year ahead, we want to see it completed for his glory. 
We don't need a bunch of empty promises. We don't need a bunch of emotions that will fade by the wayside. We need God's will and God's direction. And if we're in God's will and we know God's direction, we can have that faith to know. I know a lot of times that's not popular preaching today. I know that we live in a, in a time of reasoning and people are going to think you're stark raving mad. Leave your slide rule at the door. <laughs> Don't worry about what men think and what people think. Let God do something to your life that can build you up, that he can not only be a credit to where others around, but where you know yourself. This is only God's doing. If you've not made that commitment, then I am unashamedly challenge you and encourage you today to do so. Not because I want you to, not according to me, not according to what I do, not according to what anyone else does, but according to God's specific instruction to you. That you can have the confidence to know that it will be accomplished. Faith. It's not an easy thing to describe, is it? And what we're talking about is all about faith. <laughs> Sometimes we can be a little tentative. I think I told you the story before of the man that fell off the cliff. And just as he went over the edge, he reached out and he grabbed a hold and he, and he had a tree limb that he was hanging on to. And he's hanging there for dear life and he starts screaming out, is there anybody there? I'm here, says the Lord. I'm here for you. Do you believe me? Yes, Lord, I believe you. I really believe you. But I can't hang on much longer here. That's all right. If you really believe me, you've got nothing to worry about. I'll save you. Just let go of the branch. Pauses for a moment. He looks back up. Is there anyone else up there? <laughs> Sometimes that's the problem when, when God, is the one that's whispering. He's, he's warning us to take that step of faith just to, just to trust him. It's easy to say we do. But putting it into action. Sometimes we'd rather hear from somebody else. We'd rather have a different answer, maybe. We look into God's Word. I certainly don't have a lot of time here, but I just want to read a couple of verses. You'll be familiar with them. In Hebrews chapter 11 Verse 1, we find the definition of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for, the very basis, the very thing that holds all of our hopes in place. That's the substance of it. It was Augustine that said, What is faith unless it is to believe what you cannot see. We find that as we look into Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, the Word of God says, So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You see, our faith will never, ever be built up. It will never grow with all the wisdom and knowledge and facts and things that this world can give us. It can only be strengthened 
through God himself. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible. Impossible. It can't be done. It is impossible to please him. Well, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, there is no way that God can ever truly be pleased with our lives that we can please him if we're not walking by faith. In 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 7, so it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Taking that in his confidence, notice what Paul is talking about. He says, the verse before, Therefore we are always confident, knowing whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, he says. I say willing and rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Folks, we come to God by faith. We must be a people that lives by faith. Back in Hebrews again, chapter 4, and in verse 2, he says, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But they've heard the same thing. They've heard the same message, the same words. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. It doesn't matter what we hear. It doesn't matter what God says. It doesn't matter what his promises are if we're not going to take hold of them. How can we believe it? If God says it, that should be sufficient. Nothing else should matter. If God says it, that's it. But we leave so many of those promises laying. Many people that have heard the same words, but they've never believed it, taken it to heart, just like the gospel. How many people do you know that have heard the gospel message? They've never believed the gospel message. As Christians, we're guilty of the same thing many times. God tells us something. God shows us something clearly, and yet we just don't. Take him for his word. In Romans chapter 1 and in verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written. Those words again, the just shall live by faith. It's vital. It's important for us that we understand. Not just that we know the truths, not just that we hear these things, that God has a part. The following letter was found in a baking powder can. And it had a wire wrapped around it, and it was tied to the old pump. And it offered the only hope of drinking water in a very long and seldom used trail across Nevada's Amargosa Desert. This is what it said. Listen. This pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new sucker washer in it, and it ought to last at least five years. 
But the washer dries out, and the pump has got to be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a bottle of water out of the sun and cork end up. There's enough water in it to prime the pump, but not if you drink some first. Pour about one-fourth and let her soak to wet the leather. Then pour in the rest medium fast and pump like crazy. You'll get water. The well has never run dry. Have faith. When you get watered up, fill the bottle and put it back like you found it for the next feller. Signed, Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drinking the water first. Prime the pump with it, and you'll get all you can hold. You see, that's the problem so many times. What kind of faith does that take? You're there in the middle of the desert, and you got a bottle of water. You can take a drink. But if you use that water to prime the pump, you can have all the water that you need. The truth is, many times, is that we just want what we've got right now. <laughs> rather than using what we have to prime the pump to give us all that we need. And that's where I find this great illustration that I want to give you here in 2 Kings chapter 4. You see, folks, I believe. I believe this is a prime example of faith at work, of faith being able to, to be completed. I want us to look at this reading. And as we look there, I want you just to let it speak to your heart. First of all, notice back where we looked there. Notice in verse 1, I won't take a lot of time here. A few simple thoughts. It says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Here's this lady. She's the wife of the sons of the prophets. That was, from everything I can gather, it was kind of like a preacher's association. It was a, an association of prophets. It was those men that served God. She was the wife of one of the men of God. And she came to the prophet Elisha saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor has come to take unto him my two sons, to be bondmen, not under Jewish law at the time. The fact is, is that it was a very common practice that if you go back and you can read about it, that if, if a creditor was owed money, they could actually come in and take your children as slaves to work off that debt that was owed. Here's a woman that obviously she knows God. Her husband's been serving God, but now he has died and left the scene. I reckon that she's in a pretty serious situation. You see, remember, this grace that we want to see finished in our lives, that church at Macedonia, which was being used for an example, they were in deep poverty. Didn't make any sense whatsoever to the natural eye what they were doing. Well, I'd say this woman's in pretty deep poverty here. Her husband's gone. The debt is such she has no way to pay it whatsoever. Her sons are about to be carried away as slaves in order for that debt to be met. You see, the first thing we see is the reality of the need. The reality of the need. 
Now, we, could, we can lay all kinds of things out there that could be real needs in our lives. But I'm not going to list the specific needs, but I want to give you one need that I believe as Christian individuals and as a church that is real. And that's that there is a world out there that is already being held slave. And they have absolutely no way to pay the debt. And there's no way that it can ever be paid by all that they can ever accomplish for themselves. The reality of the need. This woman had a real need in her life. And I've said to you already this morning, I do not believe there is a greater need in all of the world. You can make up all your needs. You can see all your problems. You can focus upon those problems. You can dwell on the negative if you want to. If God has saved your soul by his grace, then you need to count your blessings and you need to name them one by one and you need to be grateful for what God's done to you. But there's a great need. People that you see every day, people around you every day are lost and dying and going to hell. The need is real. There are many places in this world where they do not even have that word of God whereby their faith might be able to grow. The reality of the need is there. But I want you to notice secondly here in the next verse, the resources that are available. And Elisha said unto her, well, what shall I do for thee? She's come to him. She's got a real problem. Well, what do you want me to do? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? You see, we see not only the reality of the need, but next we see here the resources that are available. <laughs> what have you got to meet this need with? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. I mean, this is a big need. In her case, this is a big need. She doesn't want to see her sons carried off as slaves. What has she got to resolve that need with? A little pot of oil. That's all she's got. What have you got in your house? That's all I've got is that little pot of oil. You see, again, folks, this truth can be applied to any problem, any need in your life, just as it was with hers. But in direct relation, this matter of missions to which we've been directing our attention, if we begin to look at just how real the need is in this world, we can be overwhelmed because what have we got to meet it with? What have we got? And no matter what we've got, it's going to be small in comparison to the great need that's before us. What have you got? You see, we see the reality of need, but we see the resources that are available. I don't have the resources. I don't have what's needed. There's no way that this little pot of oil can solve the problem that is so big. But I want you to notice next, you see, we've got the reality of the need and the resources available, but next we see the remedy from God. <laughs> oh, there's a big need. <laughs> I got, I mean, look, I got nothing. I got no way of accomplishing this. But God's got a remedy. He speaks through God's servant, his prophet, Elisha. 
And this is what Elisha says. Then he said, go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons and shalt pour out into all those vessels, thou shalt set aside that which is full. And we can look at all kinds of things. We can look at types. We can look at what the oil is symbolic of. Here's what I want you to see, though. The reality of the need is real. It's big. It's serious. The resources that are available within ourselves are minimal. They just won't even begin to allow us to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. But the remedy comes from God. And you know what? God never asks for more than what you have. What have you got? Is what he asked this lady. Well, I've only got this oil. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out there. I want you to send your sons out. I want you to go out, and I want you to just borrow vessels. He didn't put a limit. He didn't tell them any certain amount. He did say, not a few. Borrow vessels and bring those vessels in. And when you've come in, I want you just to shut yourself and your sons away with me. God's got a remedy, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, all I've got is this little pot of oil. But God's going telling me to go out here and borrow all these vessels. They got nothing in them. He said to get empty vessels. And I'm just piling them up in the house, all these empty vessels. God, what sense does this make? I mean, I've got a real problem, and I've got no way of meeting it. And yet you're asking me to do something that it goes against reason. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You see the reality of the need, the resources that are available, the remedy from God. I want you to notice in verse 5 the recourse that is taken. What does she do? She's got the need. She recognizes she doesn't have what she needs to meet it. God's given her an answer. But what does she do with it? So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. God, this don't make any sense. But I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to step out by faith. I mean, man, this is a big problem. There is no way that I can deal with it. No way. You've promised me. Do this. Do this. I'll take care of you. Just follow my directions. Stay in the center of my will. Do what I'm asking you to do. Okay, God, I'll do that. Here she is. I mean, it's beyond all reason, isn't it? She's here with her sons, still got this little pot of oil. She doesn't have anything more to meet these problems with. God's told her to bring all these empty vessels in and set them down. So she obeys God. I want you to notice verse 6 and 7. We've seen the reality of the need. We see the resources that are available. We see the remedy that's offered from God, the recourse that's taken by the lady. And fifthly, I want you to see the results, the results of the action. 
Then she came, oh, verse, verse 6, And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There's not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Every vessel, every one of those empty vessels they brought in, they were all full. Suddenly they had nowhere else to put the oil. And then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. Well, you know, sometimes, sometimes, when it makes no sense, remember what we said in the beginning, and if we can see something, it's not faith anyway, is it? Notice here. She does what God tells her to do. And she's there. And just, just try to picture this sight. I mean, man, this woman's got a big, big problem on her life. <laughs> her sons are getting ready to be hauled off as slaves because of the debt she can't pay. All she's got, the only resource left in her house is this little pot of oil. That's it. Nothing else. Find that she goes to God's man. God gives her an answer. She does what God tells her to do. Here she is in the house, all these empty vessels. Can you just imagine? Can you imagine? You're just trusting God. You're just totally trusting him. God, you told me to pour this little pot of oil into that big vessel there. And you start pouring. And you start pouring. And you keep pouring. And you're trying to figure out where in the world is all this coming from? And it just keeps coming and it keeps coming. And suddenly that vessel's full and you go to the next one. This little pot of oil. And you're just pouring. <laughs> And you're pouring, and, and, and I can just picture, you know, you're, this doesn't make any sense. Where's it coming from? And this goes on, and she's running all around the house and all around the house, and suddenly she's at that last vessel. And this oil is still coming out. All of a sudden, son, quick, bring me another vessel. Sorry, Mom. That's all the vessels we got. Everything in the house is full. Then, only then, did the oil stay? Did the oil stop? Did it quit running? <laughs> Suddenly, wow, you know, wow. She goes running to the man of God, look, <laughs> I did what you told me to do. Now, that little pot of oil that I had, and I got a house full of oil. <laughs> and that was all I had, all I've done. Just trust God. <laughs> what does he say to her? Okay, now go and sell that oil. Pay off your debt. That's the immediate need, isn't it? Pay off your debt. Take care of that. But he didn't just meet the need that she was so worried about. Notice, and then live thou and thy sons of the rest. <laughs> Take care of your immediate need. But I've met all your needs for the future as well. <laughs> I've met them all. You know, the Lord's met Every need we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, every need, now and forever. You see, she trusted God. When it 
was against all reason, when it made absolutely no sense at all, this widow lady trusted God with what she had. Reminds me. I may have told you the story before. I remember reading about this tightrope, and he was actually in France. He was a tightrope artist, and and I mean, he had just become so well-known because he could do the tightrope. And I mean, he'd get out there and he'd walk the tightrope and he'd get so high up there. But then he'd go back and they'd put the blindfold on him. And he'd walk all the way across it blindfolded, not even being able to see where he was at. Then that wasn't hard enough. So then they left the blindfold on him and they gave him a wheelbarrow. And so he had blindfolded to push this wheelbarrow across this tightrope. And he did it. Some people thought, man, this is, this is made up. This is not real. So some guy from over in North America calls him up, and he wants to bring him on. He's going to prove to it, and he challenges him. He said, I'm going to stretch that tightrope across Niagara Falls. I don't want you to come and do what you say that you can do, what you've been doing across Niagara Falls. Well, this guy had never seen Niagara Falls before in his life. He didn't know what it was like, but he said, no problem. He goes along. They stretch that tightrope across Niagara Falls from the Canadian side to the American side, and sure enough, he gets out there and, Man, he walks that tightrope all the way across. Job well done. Okay, let's see you do it blindfolded now. Puts the blindfold on. He walks back across to the other side, across that tightrope, all the way across the falls. He gets over there, never a blink. Do you believe I can do it now? Yeah, yeah, well, do you believe that I can do it now? I mean, you're the one that's been calling me a fake, calling me, you know, unreal. Do you really believe it? Of course, I believe it, but then you get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> we got one more act to do. Are you willing to get in the wheelbarrow? Do you believe God can do what he says he'll do? It's easy to say, I believe, but are you willing to get in the wheelbarrow and let him take you across the tightrope? <laughs> See, that's what God wants of us today. Folks, this is not just some made-up program to get to your money. It's not even for us. <laughs> this is that the lost of the world can be saved. We're talking about, I don't, you know, whatever need you have in your life, yes, God met those. You see, I want to give you one final thought here. <laughs> and I, you know, I've preached this passage before, and there's a lot of different things you can look at in there. But I want to give you one final thought. You see, here we see the results meeting that present need. Meeting all of her future needs. Is that not what God has promised to do in our lives through the Lord Jesus Christ? But what about the possibilities that weren't even touched there? What about the possibilities? You should say, what possibilities, preacher? Well, she had the faith to have her immediate need and all of her future needs met. Brother Steve, what if she'd had a little bit more faith? All her needs are met. What if she had enough faith just for one more vessel or 10 more vessels or 20 more empty vessels? God just said, don't get a few. Trust me. You see, her faith was sufficient. It took care of her immediate need and, and all the needs that she would have. But I'm saying, what else could have been met by that same faith even? What if her faith had been larger? You see, you can trust God 
with whatever your need is. And you can trust him for all of your future needs. But what I'm saying to you today, you can not only trust him for that, you can trust him for the others' needs as well, the greatest need of the world, for the gospel to go to those that haven't heard it. Trust him with a few more vessels than just what you need for your needs to be met. God didn't put any limits, and I challenge you to read it through. The oil did not stay until the vessels were full. Everyone that they'd had faith enough to trust God to fill, they were full. Can we trust God with our lives, with our eternities, with all of our needs to be met, but can we trust Him a little bit more to do that, which will touch the lives of others, will meet the needs that we could never meet ourselves? I say the possibilities are endless. They're bigger than you can even think. They're bigger than your imagination goes. Our God is a big God. And we've got a phenomenal, phenomenal need in this world. The greatest need in the world. Whatever else you do with your life, the greatest need in the world is that men and women and boys and girls be shared the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that's more important in our lives than that. And it's big. And it's a lot bigger than us. And our resources are limited and they may be so small. But God's got a remedy. He said, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Step out by faith. Let your faith truly work. You see, he was sending Titus back because he wanted to see the end, the completion, the end result of that faith at work. God will accomplish more than we can even begin to understand or describe here today. There is nothing that's too big for him. What can God do with your life? Well, the first thing in all these instances began with God really having the life. Does God have your life today? Really? Will you trust him to do what makes no sense to man? Or will you live in that little box? Just count your own blessings and do your own thing. Will you let God do something? Oh, that's way beyond you. <laughs> It's way beyond even what you can even think. The possibilities. I'm not talking about foolishness. I'm not talking about claiming your new Mercedes or your new mansion or whatever. I'm talking about a real need. The lost of this world that need to be saved. What God will do for you, and me, this congregation to see that need met. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, I've read this passage a number of times in the past. And I just want to thank you for touching and blessing my heart again with it. And Lord, though we have just skimmed the surface today, Lord, I pray. I pray that you might encourage and challenge. I pray, Lord, for those that have stepped out by faith and trusted you. Lord, we're not doing anything for our gain, or for anyone here's harm. Lord, we pray that a work that is beyond us can be accomplished. Lord, for those that have made their, their faith promise commitments for missions in the coming year, Lord, I pray that you'd bless them and honor them and encourage them. 
Help them to know they don't, they don't need to doubt. Lord, if they've prayed and if you've given them that, that peace, then I pray that you'd help them week by week, by faith, to be able to just do that which you've laid upon your heart and watch you meet their needs. And Father, for those that haven't, oh, I pray that you'd speak to their hearts. I pray, Lord, that you'd ask them why. What reason is there not to be involved? Lord, I pray that you would encourage them, Lord, make that promise, make that promise, to make that commitment. And I pray, Lord, that we might see the completion of that faith. That's what Titus was coming back for, to see the completion of what they'd promised by faith a year before. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done. You know the hearts of each one here. You know the needs this morning. There may be someone here this morning, Lord, that has a real need, maybe here today. Maybe they need to step out and just kneel in this altar. Maybe they need to give that need to you. Maybe they need to trust you, Lord, to do what only you can do in their situation. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Mm-hmm.